0: Once upon a time, there was a small, absolutely extraordinary man who burned his words into history before dying at the age of just 25. Standing just five feet tall, otherworldly and irrepressibly energetic, if ever there was a sheer force of nature in poetry, it was John Keats. Racked through with sickness, harassed by poverty, Attacked with savage and vile mean-spiritedness by rich mediocrities whose words are now ashes, John Keats sat tight, kept his nerve, and wrote himself into eternity. I'm Richard Sugg. Welcome back to Dark Histories from the Secret University. Keats is one of several writers, poets, and artists who features in my best-selling book, Fairies, A Dangerous History, and today on Dark Histories, as a tribute to this incredible genius, be reading one of Keats's very best poems and probably one of the very best poems of the 19th century, The Eve of St. Agnes. St. Agnes Eve, ah, bitter chill it was. The owl, for all his feathers, was a cold. The hare limped trembling through the frozen grass, and silent was the flock in woolly fold. Numb were the beadsman's fingers while he told his rosary. And while his frosted breath, like pious incense from a censer old, seemed taking flight for heaven without a death, past the sweet virgin's picture, while his prayer he saith, his prayer, he saith, this patient holy man, then takes his lamp and riseth from his knees, and back returneth, meagre, barefoot, one, along the chapel aisle by slow degrees. The sculpted, sculptured dead on each side seem to freeze, imprisoned in black, purgatorial rails, knights, ladies, praying in dumb oratories, he passeth by, and his weak spirit fails to think how they may ache in icy hoods and mails. Northward he turneth through a little door, and scarce three steps ere music's golden tongue flattered to tears this aged man and poor. But no, already had his death-bell rung, the joys of all his life were said and sung. His was harsh penance on St. Agnes' Eve. Another way he went, and soon among rough ashes sat he, For his soul's reprieve, and all night kept awake For sinner's sake to grieve. That ancient beadsman heard the prelude soft, And so it chanced, for many a door was wide From hurry to and fro. Soon up aloft the silver, snarling trumpets gan to chide, The level chambers, ready with their pride, Were glowing to receive a thousand guests. The carved angels, ever eager-eyed, Stared whereupon their heads, The cornice rests, with hair blown back, And wings put crosswise on their breasts. At length burst in the Argent revelry, With plume, tiara, and all rich array, Numerous as shadows haunting fairily the brain new stuffed in youth, with triumphs gay of old romance. These let us wish away, and turn, soul-thoughted, to one lady there, whose heart had brooded all that wintry day, on love and winged St Agnes' saintly care. As she had heard old dames full many times declare, they told her how, upon St Agnes' Eve, young virgins might have visions of delight, and soft adorings from their loves receive, upon the honeyed middle of the night. If ceremonies due, they did aright, as supperless to bed they must retire, and couch supine their beauties lily-white, nor look behind, nor sideways, but require of heaven with upward eyes for all that they desire. Full of this whim was thoughtful Madeline, the music yearning like a god in pain. She scarcely heard, her maiden eyes divine, fixed on the floor, saw many a sweeping train pass by. She heeded not at all. In vain came many a tiptoe amorous cavalier, and back retired. Not cooled by high disdain, but she saw not, Her heart was otherwhere. She sighed for Agnes' dreams, the sweetest of the year. She danced along with vague, regardless eyes, Anxious her lips, her breathing quick and short. The hallowed hour was near at hand. She sighs amid the tambrels and the thronged resort Of whisperers in anger or in sport, Mid looks of love, defiance, hate and scorn, hoodwinked with fairy fancy, all amort, save to St Agnes and her lambs unshorn, and all the bliss to be before before tomorrow morn. So, purposing each moment to retire, she lingered still. Meantime, across the moors had come young Porphyro, with heart on fire for Madeline beside the portal doors buttressed from moonlight stands he and implores all saints to give him sight of Madeline. but for one moment in the tedious hours that he might gaze and worship all unseen perchance speak kneel touch kiss in sooth such things have been He ventures in, let no buzzed whisper tell, All eyes be muffled, or a hundred swords, Will storm his heart's love's feverous citadel. For him those chambers held barbar- barbarian hordes, Hyena foemen and hot-blooded lords, Whose very dogs would execrations howl against his lineage. Not one breast affords him any mercy in that mansion foul save one old beldarm weak in body and in soul (laughs) as you might know in this medievally set poem there's a kind of romeo and juliet scenario uh which is nominally or potentially going to keep apart the potential lovers ah happy chance the aged creature came Shuffling along with ivory-headed one to where he stood, hid from the torch's flame behind a broad hall pillar, far beyond the sound of merriment and chorus bland. He startled her, but soon she knew his face and grasped his fingers in her palsied hand, saying, Mercy Porphyro, hide thee from this place, they are all here tonight, the whole bloodthirsty race. Get hence, get hence, there's dwarfish Hildebrand. He had a fever late in the fit. He cursed thee and thine, both house and land. Then there's that old Lord Morris, not a whit more tame for his grey hairs. Alas me, flit, flit like a ghost away. Ah, Gossip dear, we're safe enough here in this armchair sit. And tell me how. Good saints, not here, not here. Follow me, child, or else these stones will be thy beer. He followed through a lowly archered way brushing the cobwebs with his lofty plume, and as she muttered, "Well, well, day! He found him in a little moonlight room, pale, latticed, chill, and silent as a tomb. Now tell me where is Madeline, said he. Oh, tell me, Angela, by the holy loom, which none but secret sisterhood may see, when they, St Agnes' wool, are weaving piously. St Agnes, ah! It is St Agnes Eve. Yet men will murder upon holy days. Thou must hold water in a witch's sieve and be liege lord of all the elves and fays to venture so. It fills me with amaze to see thee, Porphyro. St Agnes Eve, God's help. My lady fair, the conjurer plays this very night. Good angels her deceive. But let me laugh a while. I've mickle time to grieve. Feebly she laughed in the languid moon. While Porphyro upon her face doth look, Like a puzzled urchin on an aged crone, Who keepeth closed a wondrous riddle-book, As spectacled she sits in chimney-nook. But soon his eyes grew brilliant, When she told his lady's purpose, And he scarce could brook tears At the thought of those enchantments cold, And Madeline asleep in lap of legends old. Sudden a thought came like a full-blown rose, Flushing his brow, and in his paint heart, Made purple riot. Then doth he propose a stratagem That makes the Beldame start. A cruel man and impious thou art, Sweet lady, let her pray and sleep and dream, Alone with her good angels, Far apart from wicked men like thee. Go, go! I deem thou canst not surely be the same that thou didst seem. I will not harm her, by all saints, I swear, quoth Porthereau. Oh, may I ne'er find grace when my weak voice shall whisper its last prayer, if one of her soft ringlets I displace, or look with ruffian passion in her face. Good Angela, believe me by these tears, or I will, even in a moment's space, awake with horrid shout. My foeman's ears, and beard them, though they be, More fanged than wolves and bears. Ah, why wilt thou affright a feeble soul, A poor, weak, palsy-stricken, churchyard thing, Whose passing bell may ere the midnight toll, Whose prayers for thee each morn and evening were never missed? Thus plaining, doth she bring a gentler speech From burning porphyro so woeful and of such deep sorrowing, that Angela gives promise she will do whatever he shall wish betide her weal or woe. Which was to lead him in close secrecy, even to Madeline's chamber, and there hide him in a closet of such privacy that he might see her beauty unespied, and win, perhaps, that night a peerless bride, while legion fairies paced the coverlet, And pale enchantment held her sleepy-eyed. Never on such a night have lovers met, Since Merlin paid his demon all the monstrous debt. It shall be as thou wishest, said the dame, All cates and dainties shall be stored there, Quickly on this feast night. By the tambour-frame, her own lute there thou wilt see, No time to spare, for I am slow and feeble and scarce dare on such a catering trust my dizzy head. Wait here, my child, with patience. Kneel in prayer the while. Ah, thou must needs the lady wed, or may I never leave my grave among the dead. So saying, she hobbled off with busy fear. The lover's endless minutes slowly passed. The dame returned and whispered in his ear to follow her with aged eyes aghast from fright of dim espial. Safe at last, through many a dusky gallery, they gained the maiden's chamber, silken, hushed and chaste, where Porphyro took covert, pleased amain. His poor guide hurried back with agues in her brain. A faltering hand upon the balustrade, old Angela was feeling for the stair, when Madeline, St Agnes' charmed maid, Rose like a missioned spirit unaware. With silver tapers light and pious care, she turned and down the aged gossip led to a safe level matting. Now prepare young Porphyro for gazing on that bed. She comes, she comes again, like ringdove frayed and fled. Out went the taper as she hurried in. Its little smoke in pallid moonshine died. She closed the door, she panted all akin to spirits of the air and visions wide. No utter syllable or woe betide, but to her heart, her heart was voluble. paining with eloquence her balmy side, as though a tongueless nightingale should swell her throat in vain and die, heart stifled in her dell. A casement high and triple-arched there was, all garlanded with carven imageries of fruits and flowers and bunches of knot-grass, and diamonded with panes of quaint device. Innumerable of stains and splendid dyes as are the tiger-moth's deep damasked wings, and in the midst among thousand heraldries and twilight saints and dim emblazonings A shielded scutcheon blushed with blood of queens and kings. Full on this casement shone the wintry moon, And threw warm gules on Madeline's fair breast, As down she knelt for heaven's grace and boon. Rosebloom fell on her hands together pressed, And on her silver cross, soft amethyst, And on her hair a glory like a saint, She seemed a splendid angel, newly dressed, save wings for heaven. Porphyro grew faint. She knelt, so pure a thing, so free from mortal taint. Anon his heart revives. Her vespers done, of all its wreathed pearls, her hair she frees. Unclasps her warmed jewels one by one loosens her fragrant bodice by degrees her rich attire creeps rustling to her knees half hidden like a mermaid in seaweed pensive a while she dreams awake and sees in fancy fair saint agnes in her bed but dares not look behind or all the charm is fled soon trembling in her soft and chilly nest in sort of wakeful swoon Perplexed she lay, Until the poppied warmth of sleep Oppressed her soothed limbs, And soul fatigued away. Flown like a thought until the morrow day, Blissfully havened both from joy and pain, Clasped like a missile where swart painim's prey, Blinded alike from sunshine and from rain, as though a rose should shut and be a bud again. Stolen to this paradise and so entranced, Porphyro gazed upon her empty dress, and listened to her breathing if it chanced to wake into a slumberous tenderness. Which when he heard that minute did he bless, and breathed himself. Then from the closet crept, noiseless as fear in a wide wilderness, And over the hushed carpet, silent, stepped. And tween the curtains peeped where, lo, how fast she slept. Then by the bedside, where the faded moon made a dim silver twilight, Soft he set a table, and, half anguished, Threw thereon a cloth of woven crimson, gold, and jet. Oh, for some drowsy morphian amulet. The boisterous midnight festive clarion, the kettle drum, and far heard clarinet affray his ears, though but in dying tone. The hall door shuts again, and all the noise is gone. And still she slept an azure lidded sleep, in blanched linen, smooth and lavendered, while he forth from the closet brought a heap of candied apple quince and plum and gourd, with jellies soother than the creamy curd and lucent syrups tinked with cinnamon, manna and dates in Argosy transferred from Fez and spiced dainties every one from silken Samarkand to cedared Lebanon. These delicates he heaped with glowing hand on golden dishes and in baskets bright of wreathed silver Sumptuous they stand in the retired quiet of the night, Filling the chilly room with perfume light. And now, my love, my seraph, fair awake, Thou art my heaven, and I thine Eremite. Open thine eyes for meek St Agnes' sake, Or I shall drowse beside thee, so my soul doth ache. Thus whispering, his warm unnerved arm sank in her pillow, Shaded was her dream. By the dusk curtains, T'was a midnight charm impossible To melt as iced stream, The lustrous salvers in the moonlight gleam, Broad golden fringe upon the carpet lies. It seemed he never, never could redeem From such a steadfast spell his lady's eyes, so mused a while, and toiled in woofed fantasies. Awakening up, he took her hollow lute, tumultuous and in chords that tenderest be. He played an ancient ditty, long since mute, in Provence called "La Belle Dame Sans Merci." Close to her ear, touching the melody, wherewith disturbed, she uttered a soft moan. He ceased. She panted quick, and suddenly her blue, afraid eyes, wide open, shone. Upon his knees he sank, pale as smooth sculptured stone. Her eyes were open, but she still beheld, now wide awake, the vision of her sleep. There was a painful change that nigh expelled the blisses of her dream, so pure and deep, at which fair Madeline began to weep and moan forth witless words with many a sigh. while still her gaze on Porphyro would keep, who knelt with joined hands and piteous eye. Fearing to move or speak, she looked so dreamingly. Ah, Porphyro, said she, but even now thy voice was at sweet tremble in mine ear, made tunable with every sweetest vow. And those sad eyes were spiritual and clear. How changed thou art! How pallid, chill, and drear. Give me that voice again, my Porphyro, Those looks immortal, those complainings dear, O leave me not in this eternal woe. For if thou diest, my love, I know not where to go. Beyond a mortal man impassioned far At these voluptuous accents, He rose, ethereal, flushed, and like a throbbing star seen mid, mid the sapphire heavens deep repose. Into her dream he melted, as the rose blendeth its odour with the violet, solution sweet. Meantime the frost wind blows like love's alarum, pattering the sharp sleet against the window panes. St Agnes' moon hath set. "'Tis dark, quick pattereth the floor-blown sleet. "'This is no dream, my bride, my Madeline. "'Tis dark, the iced gusts still rave and beat. "'No dream, alas, alas, and woe is mine. "'Porphyro will leave me here to fade and pine. "'Cruel, what traitor could thee hither bring? "'I curse not, for my heart is lost in thine, "'though thou forsakest a deceived thing, "'a dove forlorn and lost with sick, unpruned wing.' My Madeline, sweet dreamer, lovely bride, say, may I be for I thy vassal blessed, thy beauty's shield, heart-shaped and verme dyed. Ah, Silver Shrine, here will I take my rest. After so many hours of toil and quest, a famished pilgrim, saved by miracle. Though I have found, I will not rob thy nest, saving of thy sweet self, if thou think'st well to trust, fair Madeline, to no rude infidel. Hark, tis an elfin storm from fairyland, of haggard seeming but a boon indeed. Arise, arise, the morning is at hand, the bloated wassailers will never heed. Let us away, my love, with happy speed. There are no ears to ear or eyes to see, drowned all in rainish and the sleepy mead. Awake, arise! My love, and fearless be, for o'er the southern moors, I have a home for thee.' She hurried at his words, beset with fears, for there were sleeping dragons all around, a glaring watch, perhaps, with ready spears. Down the wide stairs a darkling way they found, in all the house was heard no human sound. A chain-drooped lamp was flickering by each door. The Arras, rich with horsemen, hawk and hound, fluttered in the besieging winds' uproar, and the long carpets rose along the gusty floor. They glide like phantoms into the wide hall. Like phantoms to the iron porch they glide, where lay the porter in uneasy sprawl. The huge empty flagon by his side, the wakeful bloodhound rose and shook his hide, but his sagacious eye an inmate owns. By one and one the bolts full easy slide. The chains lie silent on the footworn stones. The key turns and the door upon its hinges groans. And they are gone. Ay, ages long ago these lovers fled away into the storm. That night the Baron dreamt of many a woe. And all his warrior guests with shade and form of witch and demon, and large coffin worm were long benightmared. Angela the old Died, palsy twitched with meagre face deform, The beadsman after thousand aves told, For I, unsought for, slept amongst his ashes cold. John Keats, the Eve of St. Agnes, proving once again that nobody could do the erotic uh, like the 19th century or later the Victorians. Uh, Do note, chaps, that mode of seduction is not approved of in modern times, but it seems all ended happily after against the odds. Many thanks for listening. This has been Richard Sugg at Dark Histories from the secret university university. Endless, endless pages of poetry to come in future days.